Ahoy, and welcome to the Jolly Reader. I'm your host, Captain Book. Hey, crew. I have some good news and bad news. So, today we're discussing part two of We Were Liars by E. Lockhart. And my bad news is, this book is terrible. The ending's terrible. There's no redeeming qualities. It's horrible. And I don't even want to talk about it, but I will. The good news is, I promised last episode, if this book was so horribly terrible and the ending was awful, you would get a bonus episode. So, sometime next week, I will be putting out a mini bonus episode on a book that doesn't suck, The Most Dangerous Game, by Richard Connell. Connell? I don't know how to say it. But it's an oldie and a goodie. It's a classic fiction and I had to read it in high school, and then I read it again maybe a year ago, and it's super short. Let's see. It's about 40 pages, perfect for a mini-episode. And if you don't know what this book is, the general premise is our main character washes up on the island, and there's this crazy dude that lives in a castle that likes to like hunt humans for fun. So it's an interesting book. It'll be a fun mini-episode. Okay, before we get into part two, I just want to say that I'm not the only person that hates this book. And I'm definitely not the only person who hated the writing. After I finished this book, I looked up just like online reviews. And there's some mixed feelings. But even the people that enjoyed the plot hated the writing style. So here's one review by Hem27. I loathe this book so much. The writing style coupled with the poor rich people problem made it completely unlikable and made me unsympathetic with the characters. The ending was poorly executed and was very underwhelming, which meant that it wasn't a surprise or a whoa for me or that everyone else got. It was stupid is basically what they're saying. And that's what I'm saying. So also the one thing I will say, people thought it was predictable. I missed the mark on that. And It will become clear why later, but we'll get into that when the time comes. So if I must, I will recap last episode, but I'm going to do it in a fun way. So you ready? Can this be a judge-free zone? Because this is going to be awkward, but I hope it's worth it. Rich white family called Sinclair's three daughters, one all the wares. Katie got who gives a crap, but there are five doggos. Migraines don't care, head her team because she fell into the sea. Grandma died, no one cried because they all have trust funds. Liars started the fire. It was burning. I don't remember. Anyways, that's the recap, so I hope you like it. So, coming up on what we have to look forward to is absolutely nothing, so let's get this over with. And just a friendly reminder, since there's a gajillion number of chapters, we're going to go by fives. Also, I know I talked really fast last episode. I'm going to try to slow it down a little bit. I was just frustrated. And another heads up, I kind of, the summary is going to be a little weird because there are things that I didn't think were important. I don't, I just skimmed over it. It was so stupid. So just bear with me. I'm going to try to give you all the important information. So this podcast is going to be two minutes long. Just kidding. Okay. Chapter 59 through 65 Katie goes to cuddle down and she asks Johnny about the fire since she's having some memories. And she says she remembers Mirren with boat gas, Johnny running down the stairs, and the granddad standing in the glow of the fire. So Johnny explains to her that the aunties weren't going to speak anymore because they were arguing about the inheritance and Tipper's items after Tipper died. 
And he said that the granddad fueled the fire because he liked the power. And Johnny's mom wanted him to talk badly about Katie so he would win favor and his mom wouldn't lose her inheritance. And then he asks Katie if she has any more memories about the fire. And she says no, but she has other memories. She remembers her mom asking her to write letters to the granddad, reminding him how amazing he is because, or amazing, how amazing Katie is because Johnny's a boy and only three weeks younger. So she didn't want the stuff going to Johnny. She remembers the aunties arguing over the grandma's stuff. Katie and Mirren were asked to ask for these tablecloths and neither of them did it. Basically just saying this is between the ants and they don't want to be in the middle of it. Oh Lord. Okay. Gat and Katie are, I, I just have, Gat and Katie are back in love. Looking at the stars, night swimming, attic kissing, lazy repeat writing. That's all you need to know about that. Okay. I will say in my notes, I didn't realize this. The next several chapters are Katie and, and, Johnny talking about year 15. So this being back in love, this is back in year 15, but I didn't realize that because the writing's terrible and I thought it was present day. So anyways, they're all having dinner at the main house and it's the twins' birthday, and which is Mirren's siblings. Granddad walks over to the liars and he says he's thinking about donating some of the inheritance to his alma mater, Harvard, and he wants to have a building named after him which is kind of funny because I actually know someone who has a family building named after them in Harvard. Anyways, fun fact. Okay, so Johnny suggests to name the building the Sinclair Center for Socialization and Mirren adds and snacks. So they decided that this like hangout center is the Sinclair Center for Socialization and snacks, which I would hang out in that building. And Katie's mom gets mad and said that they shouldn't encourage the grandpa to give away his money. So Katie goes on to tell, I think just to tell us, that everyone is living on their trust funds. So Ed works and owns the, the apartment that Carrie and Johnny and him live in. And Carrie doesn't work and she has a failed jewelry boutique. Bess has four kids on her own and her ex got the house and stuff in the divorce. And she doesn't work, so she's living off her inheritance. Katie's mom has a dog breeding business, but that doesn't pay much. And they're living off of the mom's trust since the divorce. And then she just says when the granddad asked about the money going to Harvard, he was making a threat, not like a real conversation. And, and I say, it's not like the ants can't work. They just don't like, it wouldn't be the end of the world if they had to go to work. They're educated and they would just have to live like normal human beings and below their means. I think a lot of people need to learn that, but that's just me. Anyways, must be nice to have a trust fund. Just kidding. I don't have one, but if you have one, that's on, like, whatever. Use it. I don't care. <sighs> okay. The aunts and the granddad are talking, and he tells them that Bess said that Windermere, it, which is where Katie's mom's house, is too big for Penny and Katie. And Penny says no, and then the granddad asks Katie, do you like this house? And she goes on this whole tirade in her head about how she's supposed to help her mom about this house and tell her granddad that he's a big man and causes all their happiness. And I'm sitting here thinking, he gave you this nice freaking house on this private island with your butlers and gardeners, and it's a good house, and you should be grateful whether it's too big or not, and you're just a privileged little snot. Like, 
He wants to know if you like this house. Your mom likes this house. Just say, it's a nice house. You didn't have to do this. Thanks. Come again. Like, so, does anyone feel bad for her? If you feel bad, I want to know. Because I don't. So, she says, the house is too big for us. And then she leaves the room because she's a coward. And I have, why are you so terrible and mean to your mom? Just be like, it's too fancy for me, but thanks. You didn't have to do that for us. And I will be grateful. And my mom likes it. So, there's that. And I still agree with that. So then Penny is mad at Katie, obviously, and I am here for every second of this conversation, though. So Katie, have I called her Caddy yet? I think I did. Okay, so Katie is telling her mom that they're all trust fund babies and the grandma was the only one who did anything for charity. Okay, but like, you know how much they spend on these charity events, like just to have the event when all that money could go to charity? It's a sham. Anyways. Kind of like me spending $12 to buy this book I hated. That's kind of a sham too, but here I am. So, oh my gosh. So my notes say, I'm so excited about what Penny has to say. I'm going to read what she says on page 180. So let's find that. It's going to be fun. So this is the mom talking to Katie. You're filled with superiority, aren't you? You think you understand the world so much better than I do. I've heard Gat talking. I've seen you eat up his words like ice cream off a spoon. But you haven't paid bills. You haven't had a family, owned properties, seen the world. You have no idea what you're talking about. And yet you do nothing but pass judgment. I don't think her mom could be more on point about that. I think I've been ranting about that for two episodes now. So (laughs) the mom says that she will send Katie back to her dad for the whole summer away from Gat if she doesn't tell the grandpa that they love the house and all that. So Katie's response is, I'm in love. So... I promised my mom whatever she asked. Oh, boo-hoo. You have to tell your grandpa you want to live in this fancy house so you can stay with your boyfriend. What a terrible life, you guys. This is... mm, I can't tell if I'm more or less frustrated this time around just because I know it's all going to be over. So later on, Mirren tells Katie that the granddad promised the house the best and said, I'll take care of you. Just give me a little more time to get Penny out. And that's supposed to be all ominous and stuff, but it's just stupid. Because one, we know that doesn't happen because they're still staying in wherever, whatever, Windermere. And get her out isn't, I just have to murder her first. It's just, I have to convince her to leave. Because Bess wants a house because she has five kids. So she wants more room. Who cares? It ends up being pointless. So I don't know why I'm wasting all of our time. But I'm, you're just earning your keep through this podcast so you can listen to the bonus episode. Just think of it that way. Oh, cool. I get a bonus episode if I suffer through this with the Jolly Reader. Anyways. So Gat and Katie are talking and Gat talks about how the grandpa won't call him or Ed by their first names. He just calls Gat young man and he calls Ed sir. And then he basically calls the grandpa and Tipper racist for like two minutes and goes on this whole tirade. And I'm saying for no reason. Racism exists. It's not about that. The problem is if the author wanted to talk about racism in a serious way and show how it's a problem in this situation, she should have just outwardly like made the grandpa racist. Like Gat says, he calls me young man. Gat and Ed are the only people not related to the grandpa. So that could just be like, Hey, I'm just being formal because you're not part of the family. And he never does anything racist. He never says anything racist. He never leaves them out. He lets them live in these nice houses all summer. And at the end of the book, no spoilers, Ed's there and Katie's like, you don't even like Ed. And he's like, no, I don't. But Ed also lives unmarried with his daughter. That's not because he's Indian. Like if you're going to go the race way, the author should have been like, just 
gone for it, not just, hmm, we'll tiptoe around it, because even if they were white, it wouldn't make change anything in the book. Rant over till the next one. Okay, so he tells this story about how Ed proposed to Carrie, but she said no because she was afraid of losing her inheritance. That's, like, supposedly the racist thing. That's not even actually said, so we don't know. Whatever. Then Katie is like, wow, I know Gat more than just at the island. I really, truly know him now because he told me about my cousin's home life. It's so stupid. So they make out, and then they go to the flat rock, and they get half naked and hold each other. So... I guess that implies they fooled around. I don't think sexual intercourse was involved. I don't... Who cares? You know what? Extra who cares? The next chapter is about the freaking fairy tale. So the fairy tale is Beauty and the Beast. We all know it. Carrie's beauty, Ed's beast. The grandpa picks the rose, and he has to trade Carrie for Ed. They fall in love. Who cares? Grandpa will always see him, Ed, slash beast, as a jungle animal, and his... Fear of him will never leave him, even though he's a man. It's lazy writing. You're not reinventing the wheel. Who cares? Chapters 66 through 70. And my first note is, this book literally puts me in a bad mood. Year 15, which, I, like I said, I think the previous chapters were also year 15, but I don't think that was clear. I don't even know. Oh, can I just, like, side note, go on a rant? So you know how I was saying in the last episode that she was bleeding on Gat and it was a bad metaphor? When I was reading the reviews for the book, other people said she really was a cutter and was bleeding on him. And then he actually was bandaging her up. And then other people were like, no, I'm not sure. And then other people were like me think it's a metaphor. So we didn't even know. So I can't even tell you. She may or may not have actually blood. I kind of doubt it, though. Anyways, so year 15, Gat and Katie sneak into the main house for snacks in the middle of the night. And they hear the ants fighting and Bess is freaking out. And they're all drunk. Beth says, this is why people kill each other. Ooh, ominous. Nope, doesn't happen, doesn't matter. She talks about how she takes care of the grandpa and the grandma before she died, and the other sisters are like, you live near them during the year, so it makes sense that you would help. And then they remind her that she chose to live in the cuddle-down house on the island because it's the only one with a beachfront view. Then she talks about how it's outdated, and she wants one of the other houses, and then they say to her, or... Uh, I don't remember her name. The one that's with Ed says to her, you have all dad's approval while the other, like us other two have to work for it. Then Bess talks about, oh, Carrie's her name. Bess talks about how Carrie chose Ed and to bring Gat every summer and parade them around like a forbidden toy. This is also supposed to point to racism. I just think it's like pointing to unwed relationship or that like Ed's not rich enough for them or something. Anyways, it's dumb. Carrie tells her to shut up about Ed and then slaps best across the face. It's awesome. And they all the sisters storm out. So it's a couple days later, but <laughs> it says, I don't know if this is still year 15. Probably it is. I kind of figure that out later. So it's a couple days later. Everyone's trying to use the kids to get the grandma stuff. And the grandpa threatened Johnny, threatened to take away his college trust fund if he didn't tell the mom, Johnny's mom, Carrie, to break up with Ed. And Johnny said he wouldn't do that. So supposedly the grandpa called his lawyer, but we're not really sure if Johnny like actually lost his trust fund. I doubt it. Or his college trust. I yeah, probably didn't happen. Mirren's mom, who's best, took away her phone and computer and allowance because she wouldn't bash the other kids to the grandpa, which also who cares? They don't have internet on the island. And what does she need an allowance for? Cadence 
is in love and won't break off the relationship with Gat. And that's what her mom wants. And the mom tells her to grow up and it's just a summer fling, which, yes, thank you. But it's real love. Uh, no, it's a dysfunctional and you're 15, so shut your mouth. So anyways, later that night or something, the four liars use hammers and wrenches because the writer couldn't have written in enough hammers for everyone. They <laughs> break all the ivory statues and then they spray the powder into the water or something. And I said, thanks, now the animals died for no reason. Use all that ivory just for nothing. And you could have donated them or sold them for money and given that money to the wildlife fund like you said in the first place. But now you're just trash. Oh my god, okay. (laughs) The next chapter, all literally, I have one note. It says, awkward and weird, but basically, the liar saw the clear mom burning down and talked about it as it being punishment and purification. So there's that. Anyways, now it's July, summer 15, and Katie's mom is whining about how she doesn't get anything to the granddad. And she says to the grandpa, I'll take her being Katie away. You hear me? I'll take Katie away and you won't see her again. And then the grandpa freaks out and it's awesome. And I have page numbers again. I'm going to read it. We Sinclairs are a grand old family. That is something to be proud of. Our traditions and values form the bedrock on which the future generations stand. This island is our home as it was my father's and my grandfather's before him. And yet, the three of you women, with these divorces, broken homes, this disrespect for tradition, this lack of work ethic, you have done nothing but disappoint an old man who thought he raised you right. And then he says, You cannot expect me to accept your disregard for the values of this family and reward you and your children with financial security you cannot any of you expect this and yet day after day i see that you do i will no longer tolerate it which is awesome and he should have said that a ten thousand times over chapter 70 through 75 (laughs) so this is where i get really confused about what year we're talking about i said what happened Johnny has been telling her all this for 10 chapters. This is so confusing. So all that was year 15. Now we're in summer 17. Johnny basically repeats what we already know, that the liars all got wine drunk and burned down the main house because it was a symbol of everything that was wrong with the family. So this is at Cuddledown. So all four of the liars are there, like Mirren and Gap show up or come downstairs or whatever. And Katie is being freaking weird. She says... We didn't sob and bleed. We did something instead and made a change. And Mirren says, kinda. And Katie says, are you kidding me? We burned that effing place to the ground. She just seems like a freaking psycho. Also, I'm being really good, so I don't know how to mark this episode as explicit, but holy moly. I have f this chapter at the beginning of my notes, so I was pretty mad. Okay, Katie and Gat are worried that they will never see each other again. And I have your 15 question mark. This book is so hard to follow. And they're saying, what if, what if this? And they repeat all the things we already know. And they convince Johnny and Mirren to take action by burning down the house. Because apparently that will make them, their love allowed to be together. I don't know. And I just have, we get it. Stop being creepy about it. And then the next part. Oh my God, no. Do I really have to hear about their plan to set the fire? This is freaking overkill and pointless. They plan and set the fire. Who cares? Katie is being full-blown crazy person. She calls herself a visionary heroine and a rebel and not a drug addict. They remind her that they didn't solve anything and everyone is still stressed out, just not outwardly. And that's why Carrie goes for midnight walks. 
And the only reason that the granddad isn't torturing everyone is because he has dementia. Katie says, it doesn't matter if I have headaches or Mirren is sick. It doesn't matter if Will has nightmares and Gat hates himself. We have committed the perfect crime. Uh, no, he didn't. Also, just like side note, they used fuel from the boats. And then their plan is to like take the fuel containers and put them back in the boathouse and use newspaper as the kindling for the fire. And they think that no one's going to figure out that this was arson. That's not how it works, guys. If you douse a house with accelerant, they're going to notice that there was accelerant in the house. (sighs) We'll get there when we get there. So Gat says that new Claremont, that's the new main house, seems like punishment, like a self-punishment, because the grandpa built himself a home that isn't even really a home, and it's deliberately uncomfortable, which kind of gets explained, kind of doesn't, who cares. So Katie wants to know why the grandpa would do that, and Gat asks her why she's giving all her stuff away, and she says to be charitable, but there's something else there. It doesn't make any sense, no one cares. She's punishing herself, okay, so that's what we're going to learn later. Anyways... So Mirren tells the boys not to push it, and she goes up the stairs. And then Katie and Gat and Johnny are laying on the floor, and then she of the kitchen, I guess. And she feels embarrassed when she realizes the boys fell asleep, which is super weird. And I was kind of hoping that the, there was, like, a gas leak and they were all going to die, but that doesn't happen. So Katie's mom, I'm guessing this is present day, was on the porch with her doggos, and she's crocheting, which that's what's up, because if you listen to my... Episode zero, you know I have a crochet business and I have doggos, so she's basically amazing. So Katie's being mean to her mom for no reason, of course, and she told her mom that she remembered that there was a fire, that the Claremont burned down, but she didn't tell her mom, obviously, that we set the fire. And Katie asked why no one in the family would talk to her about it. And then she goes on this whole rant, I'm not a child. Your 17-year-old rich, privileged self needs to take several seats, okay? So her mom says the doctors told her not to stress Katie out. And Katie starts screaming at her mom. And she says, you know me better than the doctors. And that's so dumb. Her, Yeah, I know my daughter better than the doctors, but I don't know medical care better than the doctors, Katie, you idiot. So then the mom tells her, which we already know this, that she was telling Katie what happened over and over and over again, and she would always forget the next day, and the doctor said, stop upsetting her and stop pushing her. So Katie's like, I'm not that fragile. And the mom's like, you seem that fragile, because supposedly I know you better than the doctors. And to be honest, I haven't been sure I could handle your reaction. And Katie's insulted for no reason, and the mom says, I love you. And Katie can't even look at her pitying, self-justifying face, because she's just a jerk. So... This part's really weird. Mirren claims she did not read any of the emails that Katie had sent over the school year, or over the two years, I guess, that she was gone. And Katie's pissed, but she lets Mirren read all 28 of the emails. And (laughs) she claims that some of them are charming and darling. And I have they are not in all caps, and you'll see why in just a minute. And then she says some are dark. So... You want to hear what this author slash Katie believes is charming and darling? Probably hear my pages flipping. Let's see here. You're going to throw up in your mouth. Okay, I just want to remind you that when, like, her letters from earlier, she was talking about her trip with her dad. Her dad would eat, like, all weird foods when they went to Europe. Okay, most of them are charming and darling emails from a person supposedly without headaches. 
So here we go. This is charming. Mirren, tomorrow I leave for Europe with my cheating father, who, who is, as you know, also deeply boring. Charming, right? Wish me luck and know that I wish I were spending the summer on Beachwood with you and Johnny and even Gat. I know, I know, I should be over it. I am over it. I am. Are you guys charmed yet? There's more. Off to Marbella to meet attractive Spanish boys, so there. Also, I don't know if I pronounced that right. I wonder if I can make Dad eat the most disgusting foods of every country you visit as penance for him running off to Colorado, which she does. So charming. I bet I can. If he really loves me, he will eat frogs and kidneys and chocolate-covered ants. Okay, that, that's the charming one, not the dark, weird one. Here's the dark one. Mirin, Vermont winner. Dark. Dark. Mummy keeps looking at me while I sleep. My head hurts all the time. I don't know what to do to make it stop. The pills won't work. Someone's splitting through the top of my head with an axe. A messy axe that won't make a clean cut through my skull. Whoever wields it has to hack away at my head, coming down over and over, but not always right in the same place. I have multiple wounds. I dream sometimes that the person wielding the axe is Grandad. Other times the person is me. Other times the person is Gat. Sorry to sound crazy. My hands are shaking as I type this, and the screen is too bright. I want to die sometimes. My head hurts so much. I keep writing you all my brightest thoughts. By the way, the other letter were her brightest thoughts? Anyways, but I never say the dark ones, even though I think them all the time. So I'm saying them now. Even if you do not answer, I will know someone heard them, and that, at least, is something. Cadence. And I said, Katie's sick, not from her headaches. She's just a sick human being. And Mirren apologized for not reading the letters and leaves. Oh, guys. Skip this chapter. It's about the dogs dying. I cried. No joke. She talks about the dogs burning and wagging their tails, hopefully, for someone to come and get them. So, just really, I don't want to talk about it, but the dogs were kept in a guest bedroom because they were naughty, I guess. They chewed on things. They weren't well trained. So the grandpa would put them up in a guest bedroom at night and they all forgot about the dog so that's what happened and she can't believe that she would forget about the dogs because she's not that kind of person i'm not gonna go into it like you don't have to skip this part i'm just saying it really makes me mad she talks about how the dogs are bad and stupid constantly they're not bad and stupid you're freaking murderer and like horrible you're bad and stupid you're the one that forgot about them my dogs are bad okay my dogs would be in a crate or like in a locked room or whatever because they chew on stuff and they're not the well behaved if there's a fire i wouldn't leave them locked in a room if i had the ability to go get them holy moly she's just an idiot so sorry you had to go through that with me <sighs> chapters 76 through 79 katie is bawling over the dogs and finally something we can agree on that it was horrible that these dogs had to die in a fire and she says, what kind of person takes action without thinking about who might be locked in an upstairs room, trusting the people who have always kept them safe and love them? And I said, you're a piece of trash. I hate her. I hate this book. This is so unnecessary. So I have to keep reminding myself, these aren't real dogs. The people are horrible. And I have a dog named Sunny, who someone, some trash human being in the real world, shot repeatedly with BB guns and fractured her hip before we got her. So... Demons live on this earth, I'm just saying. Katie's horrible. My dog Sunny's not. The end of chapter. <laughs> so Katie stumbles into Gat, and she tells him that she remembers the dog, and he's like, yeah. What a monster. Your response is, yeah, you murdered two dogs, and your response is, yeah. 
And she's like, oh, hell, there's more? And he's like, yup. He says, I think we have been telling you, but you can't hear it because you've been sick. And she retells him all the stuff she remembers. And she says she doesn't remember why she was alone when she got hurt and asked if he got to back together with Raquel. And my guess at this point, when she failed to kill herself, like maybe she was trying to drown herself or something. I was wrong about that. I wish I was right, though. Suicide's not a joke, but this book is. So he's crying, and he says he shouldn't have kissed her and left the roses, and he needs to go back to cuddle down. So this is referring to the tire swing, and I don't, I think they kissed on the roof or something. And he knows he should have stayed away from her. And she says, I love you. And he's like, this is what I'm talking about. I'm sorry. I just wanted to see you. And this all gets explained in a really crappy way. So I say, my guess right here and now is Katie is dying of cancer or something, so he's trying not to get attached to her, which would be a better ending than the real ending. Here we go. Summer 15. The hospital at Martha's Vineyard after her accident. She's listening to some song, Who Cares? And her hands and feet are bandaged because they were burned. Then she goes into a fairy tale. And it's kind of like Sleeping Beauty. There are three beautiful, wonderful kids who are supposed to be Gat, Johnny, and Mirren. And then there's the jealous, stupid witch, who's Katie, who cursed them and convinced them to start the fire, which ruined their dreams and their futures. Okay, buckle up, because we're about to find out what this whole book was about, and we're about to be disappointed. Degrets, everybody. In. Out. It's not real, and we'll never have to talk about this again. Part 5 is called Truth, chapters 80 through 87. So, all the liars except for Katie died in the house fire. Did anyone guess that? Moment of silence. So, and Cadence was on her hand and feet trying to get them out. Which, I guess this was supposedly predictable. I didn't predict this. So, the doctors advised that she would not return to the island the following year. And her migraine headaches were caused by grief and guilt. And the doctor said she would return to the island after she finished healing. You don't heal from something like that, but whatever. So, Katie talks about the night of the fire. They were drunk. And she, it goes into excruciating detail, but here we go. They were drunk. They talked about, we're going to burn down this house. So everyone stops fighting over the stuff. And she was on the main floor. Gat was in the basement. Johnny was on the first floor, like the floor above her. And Mirren was on the top floor, the second floor. And she talks about dousing everything with fuel, this bookshelf, whatever. And then she just lights it. And she lights their exit path too. And they were supposed to all light their fires I would assume at the same time, even though they never talked about when the light fired. And then they were supposed to go back to the boat house and leave the gas cans. And then they were supposed to all go back to cuddle down or something somewhere. And she lights this up and she hears Johnny screaming upstairs. And she didn't see anyone come down or out or whatever because she's on the main level. And she decides, whatever, she gets out of the house. She can't get this door open, whatever. She gets out of the house. Then she's like, oh, no one's outside. Maybe they went, they're at the boathouse. Uh, you heard Johnny screaming inside and you're on the main floor and you didn't see anyone run past you. So what are you talking about? So she goes down there and then she goes down to the house they're supposed to meet at. No one's there, obviously. So she goes back to the house. She tears off her clothes and her shoes because they're covered in fuel. That's why she was half naked. And she's like trying to save them, I guess. I don't know. So she, uh, 
she cries for herself and the liars and the dogs and talks about all these things that will never be achieved because of her. So they go through each character and say Mirren wanted to have intercourse or whatever and Johnny wanted to have all the things. Waste time and not talking about it. So then she says, I guess that's why they've all been here because I needed them. So you know why I couldn't predict this ending, you guys? Because they're all ghosts at Cuddle Down because Will said, oh, Cuddle Down's haunted or whatever. And they're helping her accept that they're dead. And it's not her fault. It is her fault, you guys. She's a murderer. And they're real. Like, Gat's like, I shouldn't have kissed you because basically because I'm a ghost. He really kissed her. Like, these are supposed to be real ghosts. So you know why this book is not predictable? Because people don't talk to ghosts for entire summers. And they're not, like, physical beings. Even myself, who believes in ghosts to some extent, I, like, I refuse to believe that they're just, like, walking around making out with people. This is not Ghostbusters, the original, okay? <sighs> Hope someone got that joke. Very beginning. Okay, anyways. So her mom checks on her, and she's like, I'm a migraine. And her mom's like, I love you, and you don't ever have to be sorry. And she basically says that she realizes, <laughs> I have dumb dumb Katie realizes her mom loves her no matter what. And she probably suspects that Katie had something to do with it, because like I said, you would know it was the fire was set intentionally. Why were they all on different floors, et cetera, et cetera. But they don't ever charge her, and they don't ever ask her about it, whatever. So, <laughs> beginning of this chapter, I wrote, oh, hell, she's talking to Ghost Johnny. You know how I felt about Ghost Chase. Like, I'm not about interacting with the ghosts. Just, it's, there's no place for it. It's just dumb and pointless, and it's not entertaining, and it's a cop-out. Okay, so, they're all tired. All the ghosts are tired, and they want to leave this world. And that's why Mirren has been sick. So he tells her they all participated and she shouldn't blame herself. I blame her. Mirren apologizes for lying and just wanted more time with her. And they all go down to the water because they're going to go out to sea, I guess, to go to the afterlife, like Field of Dream style. And she's in her bikini and that she bought with Katie. I don't who care. So Mirren and Johnny walk into the sea and then Gat kisses her and they all swim out and without Katie or whatever. I kind of was hoping Katie would just go drown herself at this point, but we're all disappointed. So Katie goes back and cleans up Cuddle Down and hangs a drawing of three liars next to her dad and her grand and the Goldens, which are all drawings. And I'm like, why? Because her dad's not dead. Her dad's just divorced. Anyways, so lucky for all of us, the story ends on a fairy tale. Great. So, I, I don't even know what it's about. Sorry, guys. I just had basically not worth mentioning, but about tragedy and families surviving. And uh, the book ends how it begins. So in the beginning of the book, Katie introduces herself. I have a library card. I'm not a drug addict. Who cares? So she ends the book by saying, you're going to love it. Just great. My full name is Caden Sinclair Eastman. I suffer migrants. I do not suffer fools. Like a twist of meaning, I endure. I suffer this freaking book, you guys. So one of the reviews on the book cover was, this book has that surprise quality that makes readers scramble back through and wonder in admiration. Could I have seen this coming? No, because it barely makes sense and was a total waste of time and it's not predictable because real ghosts don't hang out with people for entire summers. Okay, we're not even doing lingering questions because I'm not wasting any more of my time. But, time, plural, anyways. But I'm going to talk about better endings. So one better ending simply would just be if she walked in the water and killed herself because she felt so guilty about these ghosts. Uh, another better ending would be if Katie also had died in the fire and she was also a ghost. And 
I don't, I just don't like her, so I didn't really want her to survive. And my third better ending would be if no one died in the fire and Katie, like, hit her head or something on the rock and they found a tumor or something, which would explain her weird mood changes, like a brain tumor, inoperable, and she was going to die from it. And that's why Gat didn't want to get involved. And Mirren was like, don't mess with Gat. You're only going to get hurt. And that's why everyone would be like hugging and acting weird. And it would make way more sense than this weird ghost ending. So they should have just given her cancer. And they didn't tell her about it. And she figures it out in the end. And I would have been like, whoa, this book doesn't suck. But the writing's terrible. Okay. Oh, and then another great ending would be not writing this book in the first place. That would be great. Okay, guys. Just popping in here to say one more thing. I'm supposed to feel bad for Katie. Well, guess what? I don't. Shocker, I know. But who I really feel bad for is Raquel. Can we talk about this for five seconds? Okay, so they're 15. Gat's dating Raquel. And he sent her the dried beach rose. And at one point, Johnny says that Gat feels bad because Raquel was sending him cookies and care packages and stuff because they were, like, in love. Okay, so from her perspective, she has no idea that Gat cheated on her, nor will she ever find out, because I don't know how she would. And she, her boyfriend goes away for the summer and dies in a house fire. That's who I feel bad for. Just had to put that out there. So, thanks for sticking with me through all this, and I hope enduring these last two episodes was worth the bonus episode. And you can find me on Instagram at the Jolly Reader Podcast. And I just recently made a Facebook page, which is also just the Jolly Reader podcast if you search it. And I don't have very much up on it, but I know some people prefer Facebook over other platforms. So you can go like the page, follow me, make comments, talk to me, whatever. And I'll be adding links to all episodes and everything on there. Subscribe if you're on Apple Podcasts so you get notifications for the bonus episode. Or not just apple subscribe on anything if you're on apple Podcasts, leave a review it helps other people find me share with every person you know on the planet everyone that hates this book everyone that likes this book everyone that likes books in general or doesn't even know what a book is i don't care share with them stay tuned for the outtakes the outtakes going to be riddled with updates with the cat me and my family just found and we end up keeping so it's pretty funny and our next book fingers crossed isn't horrible so the next book is Truly Devious by Maureen Johnson. And it's a New York Times bestseller. Well, the author is a bestseller, which makes me a little nervous because that's how I got the last book. It says, intricately plotted, compulsively readable. Compulsively readable? What does that mean? I like that. Like, obsessively readable? Like, I'm going to read this whole thing in a day? So this one actually has a back cover so we'll read that look a riddle time for fun should we use a rope or gun oh i already like this okay ellingham academy is a famous private school in vermont never heard of it founded by an early 20th century tycoon for the best and brightest students around when ellingham's wife and daughter were kidnapped the only clue was a mocking riddle listing methods of murder signed with a frightening pseudonym truly devious Their disappearance became one of the greatest unsolved crimes in history. Many years later, true crime aficionado Stevie Bell is set to begin her first year at the Academy. 
and she is determined to solve this whole case. That is, she will solve it when she gets a grip on her demanding new school life and her housemates, the inventor, the novelist, the actor, the artist, and the jokester. But Truly Devious makes a surprise return. The past has crawled out of its grave, and someone has gotten away with murder. Truly Devious is the first novel in a murder mystery trilogy. Oops, didn't realize it was a trilogy, so we are probably going to read three books in a row. Oops. Okay, well, I'm excited. I hope you are. So I will talk to you sometime next week about The Most Dangerous Game, and then I'll talk to you in two weeks about Truly Devious, and we can start out on this trilogy adventure, and we can never talk about this terrible We Are Lars book ever again. So until we sail again, this has been The Jolly Reader. Bon voyage. Hey! Hey! Maybe the outtakes. Hope you like cats. Do I have to record this at the end? Maybe. <clears throat> Rich white family called Sinclair's three daughters who on all the wares. Ah, I gotta listen to it first because I don't like this. Hold on. Okay, hold on. I'm gonna try to do this with headphones, see if this works out. Rich white family called Sinclair's three daughters who on all the wares. Gaddy cat. Oh, Katie. Dang it, I said caddy. Redo. Chapters 59 through 65. What's... Hey! Katie goes to... What's this place called? Cuddle Down. This is going to be a long episode. The stuff to go to Johnny or whatever. Already saying, or whatever. Great. Okay. Then she says she remembers... Oh no, sorry. Skip. You're feel... You're filled with... Superiority. Why can't I talk? I'm so excited. I can't get the words out. You're filled with su- super- uh, superiority. You're filled with... Su- su- Why can't I say this? Oh my god. Oops. This is the United States of America, he said. You don't seem to understand that, Penny. So let me explain. In America, here's how we operate. We work for what we want and we get ahead. We never take no for an answer and we deserve the rewards for our prevalent, or, sorry, perseverance. Will Taff, Will and Taff, are you listening? Whatever, who cares? Uh, that's not the good part. We are in America, though. It's kind of, okay, this is the real part you want to hear. The other part you want to take. And now we're in summer 15, or, or, I can't talk. Johnny basically repeats the whole thing that the moms all got wine drunk, and, oh no, not the moms. Whoa. Um, hold on a second. Record. Okay. Recording. Oh, it's here. And... Hey! Hey, stop. Rory! Rory must just notice I'm in my workroom. Anyways. This book has that surprise quality that makes readers scramble back through and wonder in admiration. Did this even record? Pause. Okay. Is it working? Okay. I'm gonna pull this off so I can read what it says. Yeah. I hate stickers on books. Am I really having outtakes after I announce the outtake section? Holy moly. Ten years later, I get this sticker off without tearing the book. Come on. Come on! I just want to read this weird thing on the cover. Close enough. Testing? Maybe? Testing. Okay. Hey, crew. I have an unfortunate update for all of you. I talked about before that we found a stray cat and we took it in and we were going to to keep him. And in the outtakes, there are several 
happy, funny updates from when he went to the vet when I recorded this. Unfortunately, Mr. Phoebe was feeling lethargic and I took him to the vet and he passed away through the night after getting fluids and medication. And I just want to, in his memory, make a PSA about how to avoid this. So Mr. Phoebe was dumped by his owner in the woods. And during the short time that he was most likely outside, he had fleas and ticks. And then when I brought him inside, I immediately gave him flea and tick medicine, but he had already unknown to us and the doctors had contracted a very deadly disease that can kill cats within a matter of days. And that's exactly what happened, unfortunately. And one, don't dump your animals, just take them to a shelter where they can be cared for because Mr. Phoebe was only three years old and could have spent his life with us. But two, just if you own a pet that goes outside, even some of the time, give him or her flea and tick medicine. You could literally save their life and save yourselves a lot of tears. We cried a lot. My four and a half year old, really, this has been really tough on her. So in brighter news, this inspired us to help another cat and save another life if we can. So we went to the shelter and we found the scruffy, older, beat up cat whose name was Scruffy but responds to dude and my daughter named Blacklight. So (laughs) there's that. But he is currently quarantined in our laundry room and is getting to know us and getting to know our family. And we're fostering him with light plans to adopt. It kind of just depends on if it's the best fit for him, but we'll figure that out as we go. But we are hoping that we can kind of give him the love and the extra medicine. He had some infections around his ears and some trouble. So we're trying to get him to a place where either we keep him or he will be more desired as an adoptable animal. So we're just trying to save a life. So I guess in Phoebe's memory, Mr. Phoebe's memory, I would encourage all of you to foster or donate to your local shelter. And at the very least, please put flea and tech medicine on your animals. You won't regret it. I can tell you that. So Thank you for listening, and I'm going to end with the outtakes I originally had of me happily laughing and talking about this new cat, because I feel like that's a good way to remember him. So enjoy, and take care of your pets. Testing. My mic on? I don't even know. Okay. Okay. Just my chair. Okay. I wasn't even supposed to be recording today, but... We found a cat, and my daughter named it Phoebe, even though we're not sure if it's a boy or a girl. And we got the her chip scanned, and we found the owner, and the owner doesn't own a cat. So we're keeping her, and she's amazing. But my husband and daughter are taking her to the vet right now, so I had some free time to record this, and I really wanted to get done, so here we go. Uh, hold on. Might have had a text from about the cat. Running tests to check for feline leukemia, etc. Then getting vaccines if everything's okay. Definitely a boy. Allie has mixed feelings, but she says it would be cool for Waffle to have a brother. So Phoebe's a boy. (laughs) Okay. Cat update mid-episode. I should probably say at the end, stay tuned for cat updates. Okay. 
chapters 76 through 79. Katie, check on my phone first. Hold on. Also, the cat is at least four years old, but could be as old as seven. Okay, we thought this dog was two, or this cat was two, based on teeth, and he was probably neutered after the age of one. Wow. Updates on updates. Okay. We literally thought this cat was a girl and was two years old, so we're idiots. But, whatever. Also, we have a Maine Coon male cat named Waffles, and he gets along with this cat, and he normally hates other cats, so it's really weird that he's getting along with a male, because he's male-dominant. Anyways, this is so crazy. Okay, so... I am Allie, and you are with 